Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth, if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for his glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. Today, I am so excited to bring you the first of a two-part interview with Rachel Clark. Rachel is a home birth midwife with Harvest Midwifery in Harvest, Alabama, which is near Huntsville. She's a friend of mine, and I wanted to bring her on to tell you firsthand what home birth midwives do and what they bring to a home birth. I know many of you really want to make that jump to planning a home birth, but either you or your husband is a little nervous maybe about their training and how prepared they are for the what ifs that may come during birth. So we recorded this interview with you in mind. We wanted to help you understand what care for midwives looks like in the home setting so that you can make a good quality informed decision about the kind of care you want to have during your pregnancy and birth. The interview ran almost an hour, so I'm breaking this into two parts since I know how long episodes are hard for you to fit into your super busy life. Be sure you're following the podcast on your favorite podcast app so that you'll know when the second half goes up. Remember also, if you want to be the first to know about the next round of the Your Birth God's Way Christian Childbirth Education course, just shoot me an email with the subject wait list request, and I'll be sure to keep you in the loop. Send that email over to lori at yourbirthgodsway.com. And now here is the first half of our interview. All right. I'm so excited to bring somebody to you today that I think is going to be able to really put to rest some of your worries because I get emails and I get messages a lot about um, those of you who have normal pregnancies and there's not really anything going on to make you quote high risk. Um, but you're still kind of scared of the whole home birth idea. And so what, who I have with me today is Rachel Clark. She is a home birth midwife in Alabama. And so Rachel, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, about your practice, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Hey, good morning. Um, thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, I'm really excited to get to share with other people why we do what we do and how we get to serve mamas and babies. Um, here in Alabama, that's been a little bit of a fight. Um, and so we are finally able to have that um, access to midwifery care. So thanks for having me. Um, I am both a certified nurse midwife and a certified professional midwife, and I live in Huntsville, and I have a pretty small practice, and I work with another midwife. Her name is Chloe Rom, and our business is called Harvest Midwifery. So we are what we call a team-based midwife practice. So you get two midwives doing all of the same things. So that means that we have two midwives at your prenatal visits and two midwives at your birth and two midwives for most of your postpartum visits, because we believe that that just adds that extra safety net that some people are looking for. 
And not every midwife practice is like that, but that's how we find that we work best. And so we take on three to four clients a month and serve most of Madison County in Alabama and the upper or the lower edge of Giles and Lincoln counties um, in Tennessee, because there are some special circumstances that we are not allowed to help women here in Alabama with, which include VBAC birth, twin birth and um, breech birth. So there are a few situations where we still have to make a run for the border if these mamas want access to safe, evidence-based midwifery care. <clears throat> All right. So you are licensed in Alabama and in Tennessee. And do you, have, do you have locations that you go to in Tennessee if you, that you can go to attend these births? So most people rent like an Airbnb or something like that if they're coming from Alabama, but we do also do home birth in Tennessee. And I am licensed as a nurse midwife in the state of Tennessee, which gives me a little bit greater freedom to take care of people um, than I have in Alabama, because in Alabama, I am licensed as a CPM, which is a certified professional midwife. Um, and most of those are direct entry midwives. Um, they went directly to midwifery from whatever other path that they were on in their life. But my education and training, I am a nurse midwife. So I was a nurse first, and then I became um, a midwife after that. That is so, so interesting. I was wondering that. I didn't know that part about you, that you had the, the dual certification. So that's really interesting. And it's kind of tells you a little glimpse into the world that we midwives have to kind of dance through to be able to provide the care that we believe in. Which Absolutely. And that's really hard here. So yeah, yeah. Um, they will not let me as a nurse midwife in the state of Alabama attend home birth. So that's why I had to get the other credential as a CPM, even though I had already completed a master's degree and all of the training and education requirements for my CNM, I still had to go and take another test and meet the requirements to sit for that exam as a nurse midwife. <sighs> okay. I'm going to leave that one alone because that's not the point of our interview, but that's so frustrating. It is not. So frustrating. Okay. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to choose to attend home births. I mean, you've gone through a lot of trouble to get the dual certification so you can practice in your area and give the care that you believe in. So why did you choose that? Why, do, if, why is that what you believe in and why, does, why is that what you're passionate about? So I guess it really starts as uh, far back as when I became a nurse. Um, I remember in my clinical orientation, falling in love with birth, um, when I was going through the maternal child health course, um, in nursing school. And I was like, I want to be a labor and delivery nurse. This is the best thing on the planet. People get to be there when people are having babies. And this is amazing. And I got to attend three or four births. And I think two of them were vaginal births and two of them were C-sections and they were just great. Um, and I, I loved that. And in nursing school, they tell you a lot of pretty words about informed consent and patient autonomy and patient rights and all this stuff. And when I was in school, I still believed those things existed. But when I got into practice, I very quickly realized that there isn't really any informed consent. There aren't patient rights. And if patients know that there are and they exercise them, then we make fun of them or punish them or treat them differently. And that just didn't sit well with me as a believer that we were going to treat people that way because 
in my belief system, we are all made in the image and likeness of God. And that gives us a certain amount of autonomy as humans. And I just didn't like how we were treating people. And then I figured out that labor and delivery was a whole lot worse. Um, I never actually worked in labor and delivery, but I had friends who did. And I would hear them talk about their patients. And I didn't like that. And so I learned about midwifery and I learned that 95% of nurse midwives work in a hospital and the other 5% are split pretty evenly between birth centers and hospital or birth centers and home birth. And um, still there was a lot of, there were a lot of issues with nurse midwives that I wasn't really comfortable with and I didn't want to be in a hospital. So I was convinced that I was going to be a CPM because I could do home birth or birth center birth because all CPMs either do home birth or birth center birth. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is where they do that thing that's called informed consent and talking to people and giving them options and choices. And so I set out on that path to become a CPM. And I started an apprenticeship um, as a CPM student in 2014 with a midwife in Coleman who was driving across state lines for birth because it was still illegal in Alabama to do home birth as a midwife. And so we were doing all our births in Tennessee. And so I completed 18 months of an apprenticeship with her. And about nine, 10 months into that, maybe 12, I figured out this doesn't work for my life. But I love it. I love what this midwife is doing. I love how she is treating people. She's giving them options, giving them a say in their care. And it's working. These women are healthy. They're active. They're eating well. And these babies are coming out chunky and amazingly healthy. And there's nothing wrong with them. And so because I was working, I'm a single woman. I don't have kids or a husband. And I figured out that I couldn't really chase the midwives around for four years while I did a four-year apprenticeship because that's about how long it takes to become a CPM. And so I applied to Frontier School of Midwifery and got accepted and went back to school to become a nurse midwife. But that foundation was there. That foundation had been laid to believe that birth was normal and that it was safe and it was healthy. And so no matter what I learned in my other coursework, my primary belief was we are designed for birth and birth is normal and it is a normal part of a woman's life and most women are going to do it. And so how do we support that normal, healthy physiologic birth that we talk about and how do we prevent all of these problems that we hear about? like the abysmal rate of maternal mortality and infant mortality in this country. How do we fix this? And I learned that that was bringing back birth to where it was designed to be in the hands of women, in the hands of families, in the hands of midwives. You know, something that stood out to me in all of that, first of all, I'm, I'm ashamed. I was one of those nurses that this was before I figured it out. And, um, I remember if we had patients come in and I think I've told this story before in the, on one of the podcasts, but if we had patients come in with a birth plan, we would go ahead and pull the C-section paperwork, put labels on it and everything. And when I say put labels on it, that was what had the patient information at the time. Like you print out stickers 
And, um, and I'm just so ashamed of that because it was like, we treated them different. We went ahead and assumed that they were going to be out of control and that they didn't really know what they were doing and all these things. And that was all based on the conditioning I'd had. Cause I didn't know the difference. You know, I just kind of followed suit. And unfortunately that is still alive and well, um, that mentality is still oh, yeah. alive and well. Um, and so that is one of the reasons that, that people like you and me are drawn to home birth. When we believe in natural birth, we believe in what it means and what it's for and why it's there. Um, and really, if you get into the history of it, why it should have never left there. Um, uh-huh. it's, it's very, um, it's a very sad commentary really on the, on the healthcare system. Um, it so, really is. go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just said that it, really it is. We, when you look at the history, there's a really great book that if people haven't read it, it's a textbook, but it really does explain the history of midwifery in pretty great detail called The Midwife Said Fear Not. And it's by Helen Varney. And she explains how birth was wrested from the hands of the midwives and forced into the hospital and why that happened. And it really traces that vilification of midwifery and home birth through the 1900s. And it, it was a really great book. It was actually a book I had to read at Frontier, but I loved it. I enjoyed it. I guess that one, they must have added that after I left there because I have never heard of that. I just wrote it down though. I'm going to try to find it. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, um, sad commentary. And there's a lot of things laced in there that I don't think we really, you know, fully recognize things like, you know, most of the midwives after it all transferred were, uh, they were black or native American or something like that. And so part, there was some like pulling it from them. Like we can't go see them, you know, it was a lot of racism that was in that, but then there was also other things like just this mentality of if you can have better, you'll get better care assuming that these doctors who hadn't even really ever seen normal birth were the experts. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it's a deep hole to dig into and, and it's a frustrating hole, but it, it is interesting to see because then you start to realize that the thing that we've now been conditioned to is what everybody does is actually the new thing. It's actually the thing that is like revolutionary, not in a good way, uh, because home birth has always been the reality up until maybe the last, you know, couple hundred years or so. So, well, it was a reality until about 1958, 1960 with the revolution of Medicaid. So once Medicaid started paying for birth, then birth moved almost exclusively into the hospital setting. And look so where look where it's got follow it. the money. One other little thing that I want to highlight, just because I know that a lot of moms who are listening are afraid of maybe the training or the um, preparation of midwives because they've heard the horror stories and things like that, or or just really the propaganda, not even horror stories. It's just you know flat out propaganda about a lot of them. You said that you started an apprenticeship and it was four years. Think about that, folks. If she wanted to become a CPM, she had to be with a midwife, learning from the midwife, because, you know, there's this mentality that if you don't get your education in a classroom, it doesn't count. 
but she was to, to become a certified professional midwife. You have a long apprenticeship side by side with someone who's usually been doing this for many, many years of doing it every day and doing it all. It's a deep level of preparation. You've seen a lot of things by that point. So I, I just want you to see that while yes, there is a university preparation route. If you've been a nurse before to become a certified nurse midwife, which is the certification that I have, it's usually two to three years. It just kind of depends on how things play out as far as your clinicals and all that. But really, if you want to talk about who has seen the most normal births and has is an expert in it, CPMs are very well prepared. So don't let propaganda try to tell you that these are all just granny lay midwives that don't know what they're doing and they're just there to catch a baby. It's not that at all. They are highly, highly trained. Yes, my partner is a CPM and her apprenticeship with the same midwife I started with was four years long and it took her that long to be able to sit for her exam and she had to learn all of the same skills that I did. The skills aren't different. What's different is the mentality behind it. And it comes from a place of belief that birth is inherently normal and healthy. Even as a CNM, I, they, there were a lot of scare tactics to make me believe that pregnancy and birth were inherently dangerous to women. And they can be, but they're not in and of themselves. Exactly. That can be is outside of that range of normal. It is outside of most women's experience to have a truly high risk pregnancy. Right. And we are trained. I, I, I went through that. I mean, it was, it was kind of half respecting normal, but there was a lot of that medicalization. <clears throat> and even where we get our clinicals, we had a hard time. If we wanted to do our clinicals with a home birth midwife, it was so difficult because of all the requirements. You almost had to get your clinicals done in a hospital to ever get finished. And, um, it, yes, yes. If exactly. there's a person in Yeah. Exactly. But it is this, this mentality that, you know, pregnancy is dangerous, but what, what I want everybody to understand is we are very good at normal birth, but we're also very good at identifying when you're veering out of the normal. And Absolutely. so, and, and, and that, we, we are experts at normal. We, there's a point at which we are not quote allowed to take care of you anymore, but we're very good at seeing when that's coming and getting you to the care that is most appropriate for you. So, you know, somewhere around, maybe if you really got down to who is truly quote high risk, and I always say quote high risk, cause I hate that term. I hate that you're just one big risk. Um, but maybe 10, 15% really, if you took out all that is caused by interventions that weren't necessary. So that means about nine out of 10 mamas are completely normal. If you take out, like I said, all these extra things that are added onto them. And we're very good at seeing those things coming. And so you are very safe in our hands. We know what to look for and we know, we know when to wait just watchfully wait, sit on our hands. Midwives are good at sitting on our hands or we should be good at sitting on our hands and just letting birth happen. 
but then we're also good at seeing when eh, something's something's not exactly right here. Let's let's do a little bit more evaluation. Exactly. And that's what our training affords us. It's that ongoing, what we call risk assessment, right? And um, I can tell you that the reason why most people are going to risk out of care during pregnancy is going to be related to diet. And because that directly impacts your blood pressure, your glucose control, and all kinds of other things. And so that is the most common reason that I see women need to leave my care prenatally is because their blood pressure goes to a level that is no longer safe for home birth, not unsafe for vaginal birth, but unsafe for home birth. And a lot of that is so directly tied to diet and exercise. And so I would say, I mean, this year has been kind of abnormal for our practice. We had three mamas in January risk out for blood pressure alone. And I think we've got some other things happening. We've got a lot of stress from the last three years and a lot of other things that have really been contributing to some of that stuff. Um, and so that's the most common reason I see prenatally. But I spend an hour with people during prenatal visits. And I know that this is something that I look at with comparing hospital-based care to home-based care. You're going to maybe spend 10 minutes with your doctor if you're lucky. And you're going to see your doctor 10 times. So you're looking at an hour and a half of time that you've spent with your doctor over all these months. If you see a midwife at, at home, you're probably going to spend no less than 30 minutes, but probably an hour, 10 visits. So you've spent six, I mean, 10 hours with this person before you get to labor. And then your midwife is going to come and they're going to be with you during labor at home. That could be as little as two hours or up to two days. Your doctor's going to walk in for the last 10 minutes of your delivery and stitch you up and walk out the door, discharge you in two days, and you're going to see them at six weeks. That's not what our care looks like. We stay two to four hours after you had your baby. Make sure you're stable. Teach you what to look for in the next 24 to 48 hours until we come back. And in our practice, I come back every other day for a week because I want to know that your baby isn't losing too much weight, that breastfeeding is going well, your baby is starting to gain weight again, and that you're supported and stable for the next two weeks until I see you again. And then again at six weeks, because that matters. Your experience as a mom, your experience in labor and birth matters because it sets you up for the rest of your child's life, how you're going to bond with them and how you're going to experience life as a mother. And that matters. And how you're going to learn how to trust that you know what you're doing. You, God exactly. has given you to be a mom and you don't need some doctor on high to tell you, yes, you're officially fine. No, you need that care and that nurturing step-by-step step early to not tell you what to do, but to reinforce that you're doing it. And that, you know, if there's anything again out of the normal, we can see it, but just to, to, kind of the, the word midwife, if you didn't know, is with women, with women, our job is to be with you and to help you in this transition into becoming 
a mother and trusting your instincts and, and just knowing, knowing that you already know. I, I say that a lot. Like most of the emails that I get from people, they'll want, they're wanting my um, confirmation. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll ask me a question about something they're worried about, but inside of that email, the answer's already there and they know it, but they don't trust themselves yeah. because we've been taught not mm -hmm. to. We've been taught that if you don't have letters behind your name, that you don't know what you're talking about. And that's just not true. God has put in us to be mothers. We have inside of us what we need to be mothers and midwives just help you to kind of dig that out and see it for yourself. And I love that you focus so much on diet because in the course that I've been teaching, the, the Your Birth God's Way, the Christian Childbirth Education course, we spent a whole course. With, and, and honestly, that one went so long. It was supposed to be like two hours and it ended up being closer to three. I remember that day because we were all just like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. There's just so much I want to tell you because there's so many things that we've been told yeah. to you that you have a lot of control over. And it's all about eating, again, God's way, eating the foods that he yes. designed for us to eat that are whole and complete and not feeding ourselves this American junk food diet where, and then wondering why our babies are called high risk or unhealthy. I, I mean, I don't know how many, as when I was working as a um, CNM in a birth center slash hospital practice, and I'm seeing these prenatal moms coming in and they're walking in the door with their Mountain Dew and their Gritos or whatever. And it's like, um, you know, like you guys are sabotaging yourselves because no one's taking the time and no one has the time to just help you readjust and re refocus and realize that we are what we eat. And if you're putting good stuff in, well, get better stuff out. <laughs> It goes back to that insurance model again, remember, that we talked about a few minutes ago. With traditional insurance, your doctor is paid for the number of people that they see in a short amount of time. So they don't have time. It's not in their best interest to take the time to sit down and talk to you about your diet and how you're feeling and all of these things. And if you have a C-section, it doesn't really matter to them. And that's easier and predictable. and quicker. It doesn't matter to them. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned Medicaid, go ahead. No, sorry. I was going to say, you mentioned Medicaid messing up where birth was to start with. That is also a reason why we got to the point where doctors have to see so many to even be able to keep their practice afloat because reimbursement is so low that the only way that they can pay the bills is to pack them in and pack them in and pack them in and see as many people as possible. And it becomes unattainable, but they have to attain it. Like they have to keep it up some kind of way, but that's why they, it's not that they just don't want to spend the time with you. They really can't. No. Yep. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about when you're coming to a birth, tell me, what do you bring with you? What we, what do you bring for the normal? And then what do you bring for the what ifs? You know, if something you know, in birth happens to go off track a little bit from what you would expect to be normal. Tell me a little bit about, you know, the equipment you bring, any medications, that kind of thing. So the two most common emergencies that are going to happen in any birth are going to be a mom that bleeds too much or a baby that comes out and just wasn't quite ready to breathe like we wanted to. Right. So those are the two most common things that we're going to happen, have happen. So I am thinking through all of those things on my way to every birth. And I bring the same things to every birth, regardless of whether I expect it to go well or whether I expect to need the things that are in my bag. 
And most of the time when I leave a birth, I leave with all the same things that I brought in the door with me. Occasionally, I will use everything I needed, everything I had in my bag, and my bag will be very, very light. But that really doesn't happen very often. I can think of one time in the last five years where my bag was extremely light. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I had everything I needed today. So um, midwives typically carry everything that you would find in a level one hospital or a birth center, short of a physician and an OR. So um, that being said, in Alabama, it gets a little creative how we access some of these things um, because there's still a lot of enemies here. So in Alabama, I have to have an order to obtain certain medications from a physician or someone authorized to prescribe medications um, because the CPMs were not given the authority to prescribe medications. So I don't prescribe medications here in Alabama. I can do that in Tennessee and that's not a problem. Um, but here in Alabama, I have to have a physician order to administer or obtain any of the um, things that we that women need to have as that safety net, right? So those are so the, the biggest thing in my toolbox to help with a mama who might have an emergency, um, I have herbs, I have homeopathy, and I have pharmaceuticals that can all act to stop or control a hemorrhage. So um, a hemorrhage is when you lose too much blood and it's defined as blood loss of a thousand mLs, which is one liter um, or more, or any ble bleeding that causes symptoms. So dizziness, passing out, high heart rate. And we're looking at all of those things once your baby comes out, because we want to know, right, what's happening. And in my practice, I weigh all of my pads. So I know exactly how much we lose. But the equipment that I bring, um, the herbs, I bring Wimstringe, I bring Shepherd's Purse, I bring Angelica, I bring um, a couple different homeopathy um, options. But I also have Pitocin and Cytotec and Methogen at home to control a hemorrhage um, if I need it, um, as well as IV fluids, because sometimes you just need to replace the volume um, and people will be fine. Um, as far as like other equipment that I bring, I bring a bag and mask. If a baby doesn't want to breathe for me, I can take my little bag and mask and help baby breathe. And then it usually takes maybe three or four breaths and the baby's like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. And the baby starts screaming and fighting me. Um, so I maintain NRP training every two years um, because that's required by my credentials to be able to continue to practice. So that is a specific training course to learn how to help babies breathe the way that they should. Um, I maintain CPR certification for moms and have done that countless times as a nurse. Um, I know how to do CPR and it's really a pretty easy process, but we know how to intervene when we need to. Um, I bring all of the gear that I need to be able to stitch somebody up if you were to have a first or second degree tear at home. So lidocaine to numb um, the tissues so that it doesn't hurt. Um, and then sutures and um, the equipment to suture, all of the things that I need to be able to cut and tie off a baby's cord at the end. Um, and we actually usually leave cords intact for a really long time, usually until after the placenta comes out and we're doing the newborn exam is when we usually cut the cord. And that's usually about an hour and a half after somebody's born. So it's really kind of fun. Um, 
And then, you know, if I have a more complicated birth, then sometimes I'll need my T-piece resuscitator, which gives the baby um, a little bit extra support with breathing. Um, so I have that. And um, I have catheters. If somebody really can't empty their bladder, I can drain their bladder for them. Um, just all sorts of stuff. <laughs> we bring all sorts of stuff. And most of the time, we never need any of it. That is it for today. I know that's tough to have it cut off at that point, but I also know how busy your life is and then it's really hard to fit in the long episodes. So just go ahead and follow the podcast on your favorite podcast app or subscribe or whatever it's called in the app that you use so that you'll know when the next half comes up and you'll be able to catch the rest of the interview. Until then, I hope you have a great rest of your day. God bless. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.